Genesis chapter 11. I know it's got one verse there, but we may look at, at a few more. Genesis 11. Verse 31, and we'll also read some in Genesis 12. Are you all there? Pages are still turning, maybe, yeah, still. All right. Now, let me pray, and then we'll read the Scripture. Father, I ask and pray for your continued anointing upon the remainder of this service. We thank you, God. For the anointing that you placed upon my life to preach and teach your word. And Lord, now we're thankful for the anointing that you placed upon these ones that are here to receive of your word joyfully and gladly. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 11, verse 31. And Terah, it says Abram, but God changed his name. And we want to just go with what God changed his name to Abraham, which is an amazing thing to me that God changed his name to where his name has the word ham in it. That's amazing to me when they can eat no ham, no bacon, and I'm thinking halfway through that trip, man, what I would give for three or four slices of bacon. Bacon, bacon, bacon. So Terah, which was Abraham's dad, took Abraham his son and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarah, his daughter-in-law. And they went forth with them from the Ur of the Chaldees to go into the land of Canaan. And they came unto Har to Haran and dwelt there. Now, Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, and look how... God coins this phrase here. Now the Lord had said. That's important. Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get from thy country, from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great. The word had. God had already told Abraham to do these things, but for whatever reason, he didn't completely follow after what God had for his life. Years ago, and probably 25 years ago, I was in a church to where a man in that church came to me one night and said, Mark, all the preacher ever preaches about is trying to win somebody to Jesus. And he was mad about that. I want some deeper stuff here. I want deeper stuff. And, you know, I've noticed that down through the years within my own ministry, there's people saying that, well, preacher, you, you, you just don't go very deep. And I've heard this, I'm not being fed. And one woman told me that one time, and I just couldn't help myself. I said, oh, yes, you are. You're just like a baby, and you're spitting it all back out. But that man said that remark, and what went up within my spirit was, he's cold. He's cold. 
And I think this has been borne out because this guy, for years and years and years and years and years now, has not attended church anywhere. His spiritual thermometer was halfway. Jesus told Simon Peter, feed my sheep. He didn't tell Simon Peter, go feed yourself, you selfish pig. He didn't tell that. Go feed yourself and make sure you, and you know, people, they, they, they come into the church, preacher needs to feed me, 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 feed me. You want anybody to Jesus? Well, not lately. Not lately, meaning not ever. But feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. Jesus said the good shepherd leaves the 90 and 9 and goes out and searches for that one lost soul. And a comment that you've heard me make many, many times here, the Lord Jesus Christ has voted for you, every single person here, and every person listening to the, the CD, and I might add, and this is a humbling fact, every person that's watching by the satellite and by the, what's that called? Uh, the World Wide Web, that's what it's called. <laughs> How humbling that is, Gosh. The Lord has voted for us. The devil has voted against us. It is up to every person to make that final vote themselves. Your mom doesn't do it. Your dad doesn't do it. Your uncle doesn't do it. Your aunt doesn't do it. You do it. You make that decision for the Lord Jesus Christ. And what we here at Orchardville Church want to do on the nth degree of this, we want to help people make that deciding voice and that deciding vote for the Lord Jesus. This is why we have modified youth. This is why we have Girls of Grace. This is why we have Royal Rangers. This is why we have Adventureland. This is why we have nurseries. And on and on and on that list goes. See, we're not saved just from hell. That'd be halfway. We are saved from something. We're also saved unto something. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 1, he was separated unto the gospel of Jesus Christ. There was something that God called him out of, just as important, there was something that God called him into. You're not saved just to sit, soak, and sour. You're saved to get involved and see that someone else can receive the saving grace of Jesus within their life. Abraham, you are to leave the earth of the Chaldees. You are to go unto the land of Canaan. If you would have seen him thousands of years ago and say, Mr. Abraham... What's going on in your life? He would have said, I am from the Ur the of the Chaldees, but I am going unto the land of Canaan. See, God told Abraham, leave your country and your family and go to a land that I will show you. Abraham went halfway. He halfway obeyed. I mean, he left his aunts. And with ants like I've got, I can understand why that would happen. He left his aunts. He left his uncles. He left his brothers. He left his sisters. But he obeyed halfway. 
Because what did he do? He took his dad with him. He took his nephew with him. What had God said? Leave your house, leave your country, leave your kindred. And he did not obey in all of that. Halfway obedience is not obedience. It's not. Four years ago, the Lord directed me to go to Centralia. And that's the way I knew that we were supposed to go as a church. If I would have went halfway, if we would have traveled out here where 161 meets up with Route 37, and we would have bought that little bitty building on the south side of the road. How many's familiar with that little bitty building? <laughs> yeah, that is funny. And we would have started having church there. Would I have been obedient or disobedient? Disobedient. Oh, but preacher, we're having church. Oh, but preacher, we're going towards Centralia. I would have been disobedient because God said, go to Centralia. Show me that up on the screen with Abraham. Let me show you something here. Here I've got my fancy laser pointer. See this? Like Star Trek or something. <laughs> right here was where Abraham started, the Ur of the Chaldees. Where had God told him to go? God said, I'm going to show you a land. It's going to be exactly where I need you to be. And that land was there, 500 miles away. But where did Abraham get to? Abraham started here. He got to Haran, 250 miles away. <laughs> he went halfway. He went halfway and stopped. He went halfway and stopped, and right there in Haran was where Terah, his dad, passed away. He buried his dad there, and he continued on the journey that God had for him. He still kept his nephew, and it got everybody into trouble. God had told him from the get-go, leave your family leave your house, leave your kindred, and I will show you a land to go. And he wound up in Haran. Some of you are just exactly the same way. You've left the bad, but you really haven't arrived in Canaan where God wants you. You're stuck somewhere. And I can, and I, because I've been there and I can speak from experience. You know what you are? You miserable is what you are. Because you really ain't enjoying what the world's got, and you really ain't enjoying what God's got. Because you're stuck here halfway. And you say, well, I'm being partially obedient. No such thing. Either you're obedient or you're disobedient. Either a song has harmony or, well, we almost had harmony. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Either you got or you ain't. It's like a woman saying, I'm almost pregnant. Uh-uh. Either you are or you ain't. Don't live in Haran. I'm going to give you point number two on this, which is an amazing thing. Show me that next slide when it comes to Moses and the children of Israel. 
Watch what happens here. Moses and the children of Israel starts out here in Egypt. They go all the way to Mount Sinai. Where's God wanting to get them? God's wanting to get them right up here. Israel. Right up there. Lo and behold, halfway. Halfway, they stop at Mount Sinai. Halfway, they make a detour. Halfway, they are there, and Aaron makes the golden calf, and according to Cecil B. DeMille, they're all dancing and screaming and tearing their clothes off. If you watch the Ten Commandments. And we all know what Moses looks like. He looks just like Charlton Eston. That's what he looks like. Halfway. In 2 Samuel chapter 18, and I love this story for a whole host of reasons, but I just really do. In 2 Samuel 18, the battle is going on. David is back at Jerusalem. He is waiting for word from the battle. Here's what happens. Man, my water's almost gone, but I'm going to make it last. At the battle site, they send out Cushai. And he has word of the battle on his possession. His job is to run to Jerusalem and tell King David the outcome of the battle. And my own personal viewpoint on Cushai is he may have been a little past his prime, like some of us. <laughs> my son says, Dad, the older you get, the better you were. <laughs> Sad fact. <laughs> I think Cushai wore Chuck Taylor canvas Converse shoes. Just a little out of style. Well, they might be in style now. Um, his jogging outfit had holes in it. It needed pressed. It needed washed. But he had the word. This is what King David is waiting for. And in that same story, a man by the name of Hahimiaz, whose dad was Zadok. And when I read that, I thought, man, this guy's got it all going on together. He's got, every, he's got it all covered. His name starts with A, and his dad's name starts with Z. He's got it all going together from A to Z. <laughs> he ain't got Converse on. He's got Nikes on. He bought them off short. His jogging outfit is pressed and washed and looks perfect. He is lean and mean and fit and trim. And he says, I'm running to David too. And they said, run on. And he took off running. And he overtakes Cushai. And I'm sure this slim Lean and mean looking guy, as he overtakes Cushai, he kind of looks over at him and just kind of sneers or chuckles. You fat guy. <laughs> I tell you, I got a little bit of this. Uh, we're trying to climb up, we're trying to climb up this hill. And when Sean Hartman said, Everybody go on, I'll stay here and wait for the preacher, it's like, oh. <laughs> 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 If I ever go again, I'm going to be, I'm going to be ready for them all. 
Ahimeaz outruns Cushai. He gets to the king. The king says, because the, the watchman said, this guy runs like Ahimeaz. I mean, he's got it all together. And the king said, he's a good man. Ahimeaz gets up to the king, and the king says, what's the word of the battle? And Ahimeaz says, well, I don't know. I don't know. But I look good. <laughs> I got my Nikes on. I got my jogging outfit. Kusha ain't made it through the wall back there. Look at him. <laughs> Here's what David tells him. Step aside. Step aside. You ain't doing me no good here. Step aside. And he waits for Cushai. Cushai finally gets there. David said, what is the word of the battle? And Cushai says, wait a minute. <laughs> What's the word of the battle? <laughs> King, Israel has won. Cushai didn't look the part, but Cushai had the word for the day. Cushai didn't go halfway, and he just didn't look suave and smooth and sophisticated and then had no word. This man, even though he was a little bit slower, even though he didn't look as good, even though he might have mispronounced some names and some words from time to time, he still had the message that King David needed to hear. He went the right way. It's what Cushai did. Samson, Samson went halfway. You've heard me say this before. The first recorded words of Samson. It's not. I saw a vision from God. It's not. I saw the people of God overcoming the enemy. It's not any of those. It's first recorded words of Samson. I saw a woman. <laughs> First recorded words. As far as the Bible goes in the first, the, uh, the first reference name made in a Bible, that is usually how that thing will go the rest of, throughout the Scripture, and that's exactly what it was in Samson's life. First recorded reference was him about a woman, and that guy had woman problems start to finish. He went halfway with what God wanted in his life. Galatians 6, 9. In due time, we will reap if, God's saying don't go halfway here, if we faint not. See, reaping is more dramatic than sowing. Reaping's a lot funner than sowing. Being able to reap the harvest. Dave Simpson was telling me recently about a woman there at work that he's trying to witness to, and he said, man, it's tough. And it's like, God, you know, you could have given me somebody else here to try to, to try to win. But I'm telling you, that can be work. That can be smackdown time from time to time in your life. But let me tell you what the thing is. Let us not be weary in well-doing. Don't go halfway, then stop. In due time, what that really means is in God's time, Amen. we will reap. Oh, how joyful it'd be to be able to reap the harvest like Simon Peter every single time you preach with 3,000 being saved. Not going to happen. In due time is God's time. 
to the Centralia branch, soon it will be time for the Centralia branch to return a favor. And that favor will be that the people of Wayne County and Jefferson County and Hamilton County and Clay County went to Centralia and helped get that thing started over there. Soon we want to go toward Fairfield and we'll be expecting people to be able to say, I want to get involved in what's going on there too. Let me remind everyone here at Orchardville Church, Jesus said, if you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. How many likes hot coffee? How many likes iced coffee? How many likes lukewarm coffee? Two. <laughs> Three. There's always somebody. Let me ask you something. Is this lukewarm? Question here. Is this lukewarm? Is this halfway? Listen, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Is, is that halfway? No. No. I'll tell you what's halfway. For God so loved the world that he thought about giving but decided against it. That's halfway. I'll tell you what's halfway. For God so loved the world that he said, I'll keep my son and let the world die and go to hell. That's halfway. I'll tell you what's halfway. For God so loved the world that he sat down and cried about it, but did nothing about it. That's halfway. Halfway is the wrong way. The right way is King David standing on that hill and a rune of the Jebusite saying, King, I know you've got to make a sacrifice and an offering. Here's the offering. Here's the oxen you need. Here's, here's the wood for the sacrifice. Here's everything you need. I'll give it to you. And David said, man, what a day this is. I get to offer to God and it ain't going to cost me nothing. That's how some people act. Amen. I'll give to God a tip today and he'll just think that's all right. Jesus said, if you're halfway, spit you out. If you're lukewarm, spit you out. That wasn't the heart of David. David said, I refuse to offer to God something that costs me nothing. I will buy it at a price and then some. And I was on that spot to where David offered that sacrifice to God and God stayed his hand of judgment against Israel because of that type of commitment and attitude. A woman in India standing in the Ganges River which they have for hundreds and hundreds of years, the people of India will throw an offering into the Ganges River as their God. And this missionary seeing a woman standing in the middle of that river, she's got a healthy son and she's got an invalid or a, or a boy that's deformed in the other arm. And he's standing, she's standing in the middle of the river and he goes, oh my, she's going to offer that son to her God. She's going to drown that son. And before he can get out there, she's done it. But to his shock, she took the healthy baby and threw it in and kept the deformed. And he said, lady, why would you do that? And she said, I would not offer to my God except the very best. And I think what a slap in the face that is to most Christian people that just try to get by on a shoestring and get by on just the least amount and get by on the least amount of time and get by on not doing anything for God when God has done everything for us. Don't go halfway. Don't go halfway.
I hesitate to use this, but I'm going to anyway. For the soul's sake of the youth here in this congregation and over at Centray. My brother was always a charismatic guy. My brother to this day can recall facts and figures about sporting events that about boxing matches that just boggle the mind. He had great gifts. And at one time, my brother was called to preach. A guy told me, he said, Mark, Greg preached a sermon. We preached back to back. And then I preached after my brother did. And that guy said, preacher, if you keep on, maybe someday you'll be as good as your younger brother. So yeah, he had some real gifts. But my brother Greg had a hard time giving God everything. He seemed satisfied going just part way, halfway. And it got to where he just fell out of church altogether. And my brother's life was no matter what you'd tell him, he'd go, Yeah, yeah, I know, I need to. Yeah, he'd shake his head, Yeah, I know, I know. And he'd just do his own thing. My brother's life is just like this funnel. Had the world by the tail. He done what he wanted to do. He answered to no one. And it was just like this funnel as you'd pour something in it. But the more his life went, the more constricting it gets. To where he was finally, he was arrested. I went and visited him in countless jails and in a whole lot of prisons as well. And now he's in Minnesota in a federal prison and he's told what to wear, what to eat, what to watch, what to do. His life is now in this little bitty portion of this funnel. He's real constricted. He's real constricted. When I was born again, it was much like you take this funnel and turn it over. And God impressed me with this probably about 15 years ago with this whole funnel scenario. I didn't, wasn't raised up in church. I got saved. I would hear the preacher preach that Jesus wants us to do this, but he doesn't want us to do that. Bible tells us we can't do this, but we can do this. And I'm thinking, what? Well, it just seems awful tight. That just seems kind of constricting to me. But, you know, I stayed right in there. I wanted to do what God wanted me to do in my life. And, you know, funny thing, I started noticing. The longer I stayed in this and the longer I tried to please God in my life, the more this funnel shape started going the other way for me. And the more freedoms I realized, the more wonders I had, the more wondrous ideas of God that I would have. And it got to where now I'm experiencing not just life, but I'm experiencing life more abundantly. The very thing that the enemy told me back a long time ago when it was just like this, little bitty, you won't have no friends. You know, the enemy is a liar. 
because I've made friends in different states. I've made friends from coast to coast, border to border, even in other countries. And the very thing that I've looked back on where my brother's life was much like this, thank God my life has been much like this. Don't go halfway. Don't settle. I know we're made from dust, and dust tends to settle, but don't do it. Don't do it. Bow your heads, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for another opportunity to be able to preach your word. And God, I ask right now, if there are people here this morning that's in the valley of decision, they've never said yes to you, God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, you just make that so real within their heart that they will know I need Jesus as my Savior. Lord, if there are Christian people here that's playing games or they've went halfway and they've stalled out or they're just right there and they, don't, they, know, they know they ought to take another step toward you, but they won't do it. God birthed that in their heart to take that step toward you. We want to be all that you want us to be, all that we can be in you. In Jesus, we'll pray. Where would I be? You only know. I'm glad you see through eyes of love. Hopeless case. Not for grace. Where would I be? You only know. I'm glad you see through eyes of love, hopeless case, and empty place. If not for grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I once was in love, but now I'm found. Hopeless case, yeah, and empty place. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieved how precious did that grace of me the hour I first 
as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677. I saw Jesus